Hello and welcome. I am so thrilled you have joined us. This is a Peachy Birth podcast and here we believe that birth is natural. We need little to no interventions. We have to unlearn the lies so that we can birth without fear. The way that our body was intricately designed to and most importantly educating parents on the war for their womb. I am your host, Sarah Lynn Baxter, and I am a free birthing mom of five, traditional midwife, homeschooler, and wife to an amazing man. I am a Christian, and I hope that you find this podcast to be educational and practical, and welcome to our journey. Hello. All right, this is working this time. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about the topic of home uh, home birth and dads and I have my awesome husband here who is going to give us his perspective on the whole home birth um, at home which is exciting because we I've been planning this for a while and it's great that now we have the time to be able to get this together. So uh, lots of moms, there's a a little community Mm. of moms who really struggle with trying to convince their husbands to have a home birth and the dads naturally. So it's not, you know, attacking the dads in, in any way. It's just that some dads feel like in order to protect their babies, Um, and their wives that the hospital delivery is the best route. And so my husband um, had been a part of our uh, home births, and he has uh, caught four of our babies, and they were all home births. And so, you know, today just wanted to go ahead and get his perspective on and share his perspective because my husband is clearly like pro home birth. And in a earlier podcast that I did, I had um, talked about the system. And so you can kind of expect this to roll over into a system conversation. So welcome, husband. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is Tony Baxter. Hello. So, babe, um, if you could give a piece of advice to the dads out there about their fears or their worries or concerns about, you know, supporting their wives for that home birth, like, what would you say to them? Well, I should definitely start off by saying that... Um, you know, it, the first th- thing about it is that, yeah, you have to be pro-birth. That's like the first thing. Uh, at least pr- f- pro-home birth, I should say. Um, you definitely have to be that. That's like the first key to it. Because if if you already already don't know or at least have in your mind somewhat that it's better to have your child at home or at least you just want to have your child at home and not have to have him at the hospital or, you know what, you may even be one of those guys that doesn't want to have at the hospital because, you know, it costs too much um, just for the financial aspect of it. Because, you know, men, we're very, uh, when it comes to money, that's, you know, regardless, that's all we hear sometimes is money. But, um, 
that is probably the most important key too is that you have to be pro home birth. Um, but <clears throat> you know, a lot of men are scared when it comes to uh, having their babies at home because we're not, you know, it's, I'm sure way back in the day it wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, you know, we live in a different age where um, a lot of men have not been, you know, having to, you know, put themselves out there in those sort of type of responsibility settings when it comes to their uh, child being birthed. Um, but overall, it's a really good experience. Um, I think, at least from my perspective, I think that it is the man's responsibility to uh, catch the child. It's his responsibility to have the baby at home. Um, I, you know, too many of them leave it for in the hands of the doctors to um, catch their child and everything. I think that takes away you know, the the reality of it, you know, they don't have to, they just kind of like sit back and watch and, uh, you know, not to say that it, <clears throat> you know, takes out any fear, they're still going to be scared, um, but I think men are just going to have to, uh, they have to get past that fear part, and, you know, they're going to be fearful because they care about their wife, and they care about their child, and they just want their child to get to make it and they want their wife to make it and you know birthing is not an emergency um i'm sure you've probably covered that um <laughs> lots of podcast. times yeah <laughs> right but it's good to hear it from a dad you know from another man because sometimes the women they can't say enough you know for the husband to say okay i'm on your side and it's always you know the you know husbands are able to make a better decision or stay with that decision if they hear it from another man or another person in general right that's what <clears throat> and that's what uh definitely men need to know is that um you're gonna have to realize and understand before you even get into it is that you're taking full responsibility um for what's going on. I mean, you and your wife are sharing the same amount of responsibility, but I think as, as the man, or if you are head of the household or anything like that, um, you really have to understand that there's a certain level of responsibility of making decisions. And, um, you know, that, having your baby at home is never like, you know, a hundred percent guarantee that anything is going to go right or it's going to go well. But you're not going to get that anywhere, whether you're at the hospital or, um, you know, wherever you're having your baby at. It's not going to matter because no one is guaranteed 100 percent everything is going to be OK. I mean, we can always try to do the best we can and um, always do the things we're supposed to do throughout the pregnancy that will make a better birth. You can do all those things, but nothing's ever really guaranteed. But I think the. Men just have to understand that it's a big responsibility for them to do it, and they just have to take that step in doing it uh, because it's really, like I said, it's the man's responsibility to kind of step up and say, you know, yeah, we're going to do this, and I'm here for you, and I'm going to help anywhere I can. And, you know, it's... And, you know, I can get it. I can understand it can be scary. Um, there there are times you do worry. You know, you a lot of times you have to just give it up to God and just say, you know, and pray and, and say that, 
you know, please be with us, Lord, and um, hopefully we, you know, we get through this just fine. And, you know, for for us, you know, it kind of becomes, uh, you don't worry about it as much because, you know, when you have, you know, more than one child or two, um, of course, and even three, then... The three or four. <laughs> yeah, the three or, <laughs> or four, five, five six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, you know, it becomes a little bit more, you know, you're numb... You're a little bit more numb to that fear because I think a man is always going to be scared. I think he's always going to be fearful of what's going to happen possibly to his wife or his baby. People just have to understand that there really is no guarantee. This is not a, you know, you have your baby at home and, you know, you're going to, your birth is going to go well. But I will say that um, just from what I've seen from other people's experience having them at the hospitals, um, the experience is going to be a lot better having it at home than it is in the hospital because I'm sure you've, um, you know, the hospitals, I'm sure you've also discussed this in your podcast, but <clears throat> the hospitals, it's really not, they're not really in there for anyone's best interest. I mean, it's, I understand that's the concept of the hospital. You know, you think a doctor, a nurse is supposed to, you know, uh, cater to you or, or, you know, they know their stuff because they have their PhDs and all this stuff. But, you know, you learn this across in every industry is that uh, the people up at top, the people in positions to help people, and uh, they don't really know what they're doing. And the same thing happens with doctors is that, yeah, they go through all the schooling and everything uh, when it comes to, you know, when it comes to anything medical, yeah, they're going to school for it. But when they start actually becoming a doctor, they're not they're not necessarily going there to be a scientist, which that's what doctors used to be. They're going there to um, ba- they're going there basically to be drug dealers because they're there selling the drugs for the ph- pharmaceutical companies. That's all they're doing. That's why you have doctors always pushing some prescription med for some sort of ailment or some sort of symptom or issue. Um, or a lot of times they like to blow things out of proportion because the scarier you are, the more you're willing to fold and say, okay, well, let's just do it. And um, I, I think regardless whether it's a woman or a man, I think that fear plays in everybody. You just have to learn to say, no, I'm going to trust in God. I do not trust you. I trust in God that he's going to have, that everything's going to turn out just right. And I have to have faith in that. And that faith is going to require you to kind of hold your fear back and say, you know, I'm not going to be scared. I'm going to trust you, Lord, that everything is going to go fine. All I can do is the best I can, and we'll make it through. Babe, that was so awesome. When you were talking about the doctors being drug dealers, I'm sorry, I say this all the time, but I got chills, you know. I wanted to mention that before my husband and I met, you know, he was already on the road of, you know, more natural leaning. So it was just that when we connected that, you know, he got more information, but he was already, um, you know, like more, he, he was already aware that the system is so corrupt, And so it wasn't that I had to talk my husband into doing any of this. He already knew, like, the system is messed up, you know, that 
um, before when we met, it was like way before COVID. So COVID, you know, did a really good job of like exposing all of this tyrannical garbage happening in the hospital industry. And then, um, you know, how disgusting the hospitals are and got to watch out for those super bugs and things like that. But um, my husband was already like his eyes were already open to how big pharma pushes. And then, you know, when he had his family, you know, when we when we all came together, it was like, you know, he knew that that was something that we had to stay firm on and not be afraid of is that it's actually more scary to go to the hospital for your care than it is to stay at home and do those things at home. And did you want to say something? Well, I was just going to say that, you know, I don't want to make it, you know, all about me. I'm just need Babe, to it's all about you. <laughs> I just need to explain that, you know, even before we were together, um, and this goes back to God, this goes back to faith. And, you know, all my family was born at the hospitals. I didn't have any family. And I have, a, I, you know, I have a large family very large, but, and none of them were born at home. Uh, they were all born at the hospital and, you know, it becomes like a routine to where, you know, Oh, what hospital did you have it at? And, you know, Oh, you just imagine when the baby's being born, you're at the hospital waiting, you know, uh, waiting out there, eating snacks and just waiting for the baby to be born. And all you're having to worry about or wait for is the nurse or the doctor to come back and tell you this and that and how it's going, um, and sometimes visiting. But um, I think what really drove me to be more natural was God, of course, because I really thought about it, and I was like, you know, faith it, faith is a really big step. And, uh, being faithful and having faith in something, especially like God, is you have to show that faith and that's going to require you to do things that you're even things that you're scared. You have to be able to have that full faith on and say that, you know, no, I have faith in it. I'm going to do it. And that's where sometimes I think people have too many excuses. They say, well, you know, yeah, you can have faith in God, but you know, you know, you, that's why we have doctors and that's why we have hospitals. Blah, blah. I was like, if you really think about it, I think people like to have those excuses uh, because then they don't have to, you know, put themselves in. You know, they don't have to get their hands dirty. They just get to. And, you know, again, it's not to really attack anybody. It's just that I've seen too many excuses, whether it be about birthing or anything else. I've seen too many excuses of people making excuses for why you know, or not living up to that faith in God, because faith is true, right? If you really have faith in him, then you will trust the process. He created us to have babies. He created women to, to birth children, to created us to where coming together, we can form a life inside of a body. I mean, that's miraculous, right? It's a miraculous, it's, it's miraculous. miraculous thing. It's miraculous. It's not, an emergency situation, you know, so there's the, needs to be the distinguish between the two, you know? Right. And that's, of course, you have to really ask yourself, do you really have the faith? You can't do it without God. 
Oh, that's why I always say that birth is a supernatural event. It's not, it's not a something that needs to be medicalized because when you get that medicalization into birth, guess what you also get? You get the tyrannical government on what you are allowed and not allowed to do. And so we don't want that. We want, you know, to take birth back the way that it was naturally intended to be. And we're not saying that emergencies never happen because they do. But if an emergency was a true emergency was to happen, I thank God that there is a hospital that can handle that. But um, there's too much of conflict of interest with the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies and the way that these doctors make their money, there's just too much, too many hands in that money pot. Well, you know, and I think some of, you know, even like I was telling, you know, a customer the other day, she was, um, you know, I, she was talking about, um, you know, midwives, you know, and I said, well, you know, midwives have been around for a long time. They've been around since biblical times. And even in the Bible, it talks about midwives. Um, but she didn't even know that. And, you know, she's a church goer or, you know, however you want to put it, a Christian Bible believer or whatever you call it. But it just shows you how much people don't really study the Bible. And when I mean study, you have to really like submerge yourself in the word in the Bible. I pulled it up, but her name was Shifra and Pua, and they were Hebrew midwives who briefly prevented a genocide of children by the Egyptians. And it talks about it in Exodus 1:15 through 21. And so I had wanted to talk about, you know, biblical, uh, the biblical midwives, but in case you don't know, that is, you know, the uh, Pharaoh wanted those ba- uh, baby boys dead and the midwives who were supposed to go ahead and kill those babies actually prevented that by telling the Pharaoh, oh, you know, those Hebrew women, they're not like um, Egyptian women. You know, they have their babies uh, fast and without, you know, basically without assistance, faster than an Egyptian mom does, who, you know, requires more pampering and things like that. So that's to add more illustration to what you're saying, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, like I said, she didn't even, you know, that's a good, um, definitely. And she didn't even understand, you know, she didn't know that. She was like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, I think people, I think people too, there, there may even be things she didn't want to say either. Uh, I think people sometimes when they hear that you had them at home, you know, I'm sure this is a lot of ideas floating around in their head. Some of them will be more vocal about it. Some of them won't, but you can kind of tell in the tone of their voice. They're like, you know, like, why would you do that? And, you know, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of things you're thinking, uh, but I just, you know, it's a really, it's a very hard concept for people to understand true faith in God. They don't, they don't understand what true faith means because, you know, we live, you know, we live on this earth with each other, with man. And when I say man, I mean man and woman, just mankind in general. Um, we all don't 
understand things like grace and we don't understand things like forgiveness and there are a lot of things we don't understand that um You're god so gives awesome us for even saying that right and there's a lot of things that men don't you know people don't understand and so we live in this society where we're always being disappointed we're always expecting you know we have expectations for people uh, and i wouldn't even say high expectations some uh, yeah have high expectations but even if you lowered it and you had a small portion of expectation, you're still going to be disappointed. Babe, when you talk about high expectations, I automatically think about those high-maintenance kitties out right. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, but, yeah, and, you know, it it comes down to that point where, um, you know, you have to, again, you have to have faith in God. Yeah, you know, are there women out there that are having babies and they're being midwives and, they're more, um, what do you call, um, they're like the, um, they're like, um, the witchcraft versions of midwives. Oh yeah. You know what they're calling it? What? Mid witchery. Ah, mid witchery. Okay. Because yeah, I look for a witch for, to, you know, birth my Sacrifice child. Sacrifice my baby too. Yeah. You know, that's the last thing you look for, um, when you're going to have a baby, you know, it's kind of like who would even want a witch? you know, at their birth. Uh, the I women who are witch witches, you know, they, they like to claim that they are witches, you know, right. those are, or they're enamored oh by goodness. that new age, but that, oof, babe. Yeah. It's, it's like we a gotta whole talk other about topic. That. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it's crazy because like, uh, <sighs> what a great, great, great point, babe. And these, um, so-called, but I don't, you know, people have, They've gotten so delusional. People have gotten so delusional and have have no clue what reality has out there in store. What God has given us the ability to do so many great, wonderful things that because we kind of been um, fogged by that, kind of like brain fogged by all the fascinations in life. Because you know the system, the way it's set up. I mean, whether they got rid of slavery or not, there's still a form of slavery going around and it's not, I don't mean like as far as color, it doesn't matter what color you are because everyone is slaves. If you're working day to day just to, you know, put food on the table, you're a slave. Um, but not to say that there's anything wrong with being a slave, but I guess that's a whole other topic. But, <clears throat> but people have kind of got away uh, from what we're really are able to do what God has given us the ability to do. And then they like, they think they're just useless and worth worthless and you know, they're no good. So then they start coming up with these other things that they could be. And I don't know where you would even, why you'd want to be a witch anyway, but um, then they start, you know, where there's tarot card reading or, you know, psychic and all this stuff. They want to believe that they're such um there's something more to them. They have a power inside them, you know. And we do have a power inside us, but it's not being witches. And it's not being, you know, psychics. And it's not... The the way God created us is already magnis magnificent enough as it is. Amen. That people, of course, people don't even have God. In their, that just shows you God is not in their life. If they really had God in their life and they truly believed, they truly had faith, they wouldn't be trying to be witches and they wouldn't be giving all the praise to themselves or um, 
you know, to uh, the the woman's ability to birth, and they don't realize that woman's ability to birth is from God, right? God made women have the ability to birth, but they really worship that part of it, the process of it. It's just like back in the day when Native Americans were worshiping sons. You know, there was the God, the son of the God, you know, the moon gods and the, the water gods and every, Babe, there was a God for everything. It, yes. So now that whole process of birthing has now just become a God, not God himself that created us to be that magnificent to for us to birth. It's the process as God. What a great point, because it's like talking to dads to get back onto the topic. It's like, you know, dads, who are you worshiping? Right. You know, like you're supposed to be the, you know the head of the of the home and i know that you're trying to protect your wife and your baby but you don't submit your fears to the people at the hospital and um because you're like don't sub- succumb to the fear and take uh force forcing your wife to have a baby at the hospital is wrong in so many ways and you need to really let her tell you what her instinct is telling you and listen, listen to your wife because if she is, you know, she's still on your side, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be a a household divided because what is that scripture, babe? The house divided. I'm trying to remember. I can never, a house divided is not going to stand. Right. And so, You guys need to be a team and, you know, I see this a lot where there's an overwhelming amount of women who are like crying for their husbands to like understand. And if I'm not mistaken, the the Bible is telling, you know, husbands that they that they're commanded to understand their wives. Right. And you may not agree with it, but how about you be just please be open to understanding home births. Like just start somewhere. Like if your wife is like 20 weeks pregnant and you're having a hard time deciding on the hospital or you're having a hard time, you know, deciding on home birth, just decide, you know, commit, commit to taking a leap of faith and trusting that, with knowledge comes power and just um, go with her and ask her like, okay, well, what kind of resources do you have that prove that a home birth is safe? You know, statistically speaking, home births are so much safer than a hospital. And if you are within most, most families are, you know, within 15 minutes of a drive to a hospital, to an emergency room, so that's not a problem. Plus, if you're hiring a midwife, she is trained in all those things. So dads, you know, dads kind of need to be in the decision-making process, too, with the midwife. And, you know, I know it can be hard sometimes for men. It's just like, why do I need to be bothering with this? We're just going to go to the hospital, you know. Well, <clears throat> to even add to what you were saying, um, the... Um, it's going to require the man to step up and take responsibility. Thank and then you like so much for saying to that. Wow. Really lead in the position. And at the same time, what that leadership position means is that 
Whoa, babe. A, a true leader is either going to be um, a, someone who leads, obviously. That's why it's called a leader. Someone to lead. And you can either lead by uh, working with people or you can lead by or tyrannically. Yeah. So there's wow. always been there's always been that concept and reality as far as we've been around. You know, we've seen people like Stalin and, you know, Hitler and all that. Obviously, they were leaders. Right. But they were tyrannical leaders because they forced their uh, what they wanted onto you. Now, um, the reason why I say that is because um, a man is leading, but he's. He is going to make decisions and he's going, but he's got to be able to weigh those those decisions on whether it's right or not and whether we they should go down that direction. So let's just say hypothetically, you know, your wife, you know, says, you know, I just don't feel like that's what, you know, I want to do or th- you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to think about that like stop and and find out why she feels that way or whatever the case may be. And sometimes, sometimes you're going to find that maybe she's just wor- over worried about something, but you have to try to work together to figure out. And I'm going to say another thing that for, for women, don't ever just tell us a couple times, three, four, five, six, seven times, and then give up. Or I've seen some. Yeah, I've seen that's some women. Such a good point. I've seen some women tell their husband once, okay, and then they and give up. And then they give up. <laughs> what they, they, a good one point. Time, that's it. Yes. And they're like, he won't listen to me. Uh-huh. He won't do what I want to do. Or he's and it's like, well, you know, did you tell him? Well, yeah, I told him once, and he shrugged it off. Men, um, we're not. We're not really that great when it comes to memorizing things because we have like this forward direction and everything. Like we just try to move forward. We don't have no, uh, unless we have something big in our life to make us come back, like our wives, our family, or God, or, you know, if you're a materialistic type of person, then yeah, you're going to have something material to to pull you back. But um, we don't really come back and and sit there and contemplate and and think things we just keep moving forward and keep trying to get done what we know we needs to get done so we always need the woman to always remind us and tell us things they may not like it they may they may hate the fact that to keep reminding you but that's how you get into a man's head is that you have to keep saying it repetitively because you know uh, i think even with their own child you know my wife, you know, my sons, you know, just they don't listen. A lot of times they don't listen. And you have to stop them, look them in their eye and talk to them and, and keep repeating it over and over. Because, like I said, men are, um, men are just forward-moving bodies. That's all they are. They're just ready to move forward and get things done. And they need the wife to pull them back and say, look, I'm really, wor-, you know, whatever it may, may be. However, you need to express whatever it is you're worried about, you know. Again, like I said, it could be just something you're overthinking about or it could be something that you really are concerned and maybe, you know, your intuition is kicking in and telling you not to do something. So you have to be able to communicate that to your husband effectively and consistently. And the husband... If he's not changing his mind. Yeah, the husband needs to do a good job of, like, letting down his guard... 
when his wife is bringing something to him that is super heavy like this because in his mind, I'm sure it's like all of the what ifs and then money. Right. You know, not saying that money is the only thing important, but our husbands are the main providers for our family. So they're concerned with, you know, from the financial standpoint of it. But it's like sometimes, you know, husbands need a little bit of a, a, you know, I don't know, like um, a little bit of a pep talk to like, you know, listen to their wives, you know, with um, concern, like healthy, like respect instead of just like harsh judgment. Like you're not supposed to be harsh with your (laughs) wife if she has this thought about home birth or this is something that she's always wanted to do. You know, you guys are a partnership. Something can't, you know, something shouldn't be dividing you. And um, I think that what you said, babe, was really awesome. But with something like birth and home birth, and even if it's a free birth, it's like, you know, where uh, it should be noted that wherever she is going to feel the most comfortable is going to have the best birth outcome period right because with the tension and the anxiety of birthing in a hospital if that's um where she does not want to be because her instinct is telling her no well that needs to be respected because you know you can't you shouldn't act like a dad to your wife and treat her like you're some some father you know like no you can't do this you know Like what you should do before you come to that disagreement is like, this is why I think this and here's some more information, but allow her to come through and say, well, here's some more evidence or here's some more information, you know, and kind of like allow that conversation to happen time and time again. But if, if her instinct is saying, I don't want to birth in the, in the hospital, well, it's for a good reason. Like she's already going to feel tension in her body, which is going to result in a worse birth outcome. And if dads, you know, need help understanding that if there's fear in your wife because of being in an institution, that her birth is becoming an institution and she's, you know, trusting that it's the best you know, because that's what you're saying and she's okay with, with that. It's like, there's still, even if she was okay with it, there's still tension because of the, you know, because of the lighting is not natural and she's in a cold environment, which actually scientifically shows that it does not produce oxytocin. And that's the hormone that allows birth to naturally go forward So she needs all that oxytocin as much as possible to be able to birth successfully and have a good outcome for baby. So if there is, if she's in a very cold environment because they turn down the temperatures in the hospital on purpose for microbes not to grow. And so at home, it's actually better because it's, you can control the temperature if it's a warm and humid environment inside the home that produces like a jungle effect in your home, which actually stimulates oxytocin for a better birth outcome. 
And uh, the instruments that they use in the hospital are very intrusive. And that automatically signals to the body to not have the baby. And so if she's being put in this environment with artificial lighting, cold environment, with people that she doesn't know, it's not anything that she can control. This is uncontrollable. This is her, um, you know, parasympathetic nervous system is working. It's like doing what it what it's supposed to do. So that means elevated blood pressure and elevated stress levels, elevated stress levels on baby. Everything is working against her in the hospital. Let's say she's pro-hospital. It's still to a degree, like working against her. And so if you're putting your wife through that, which I'm not saying like you're some monster or something, it's just, we have to have this open conversation, especially with dads. You know, if you're, uh, you know, putting your family through that, the birth outcome is not going to be as good as if you were at home. And so... I know that dads are going to worry about, you know, the finances. Um, Babe, do you want to talk about that or anything? Well, um, you know, just to uh, add on to uh, what we're talking about leadership, uh, the women have to be able to um, try to give man his leadership role. You know, believe me, if you treat him like a leader... Or if you uh, treat him like a king, believe me, he will listen to you. And sometimes it may even look like they're not listening to you. You may say it to them and they'll shrug you off. But the more consistent you stay with it, and even most of the time they're thinking about it too the first time you said it. But I guarantee it, they're listening. They're going to know because what a man does, we may be that forward moving body like I was talking about, but... I will tell you that there are certain things that's going to weigh on our mind and they're not going to be able to get any sleep because they're going to think about it. Or um, And when I say not get sleep, they're not. There's always things that's going to come to a man's head that he's going to constantly think about and you're going to be one of those things. And he's always going to think about whether he's at work, driving in a car, um, sleep or trying to go to sleep. Whatever the case may be, if you stay consistent, he'll keep thinking about it, and eventually he'll come around. I, th- I think some guys are a little bit more, um, some may even be more tougher than others. You might have even a tougher man on your hands when he just, you know, he's hard-headed and he doesn't want to, and, and you know, there are other things at play there if he's that hard-headed. You know, it's not just about uh, men in general, it's just um, he's... Maybe he doesn't know how to lead. Maybe he's scared to lead. There are a lot of men out there now that have no clue. They get, they get, um, what's the word? Um, they get, it's kind of like what we talked about before about um, um, people that are illiterate or people that are ignorant. And I don't say ignorant as in a bad thing, but ignorant and people that just don't know how to do things. I've seen people, what's, there's a word for that. I've, um, well, people just get intimidated as soon oh, as yeah. as soon as they start seeing all this stuff in front of them. Oh, and what, what a it, great point! They babe. just don't. They look at it all in general, and they're just like their 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 mind shuts down because they get intimidated. It's by so it. um, 
um, crazy that you even said that. So I'm like, yeah, we're, we're in sync right now because that point that you made was going to be, you know, another point that I was going to make too, is that sometimes women have a, um, a natural ability to overwhelm their man and, you know, come at their husband, you know, super emotionally and not in connection with their husband and the amount of stress that he's already experiencing and that can shut him off. So if you're presenting your husband with a big decision, it's not um, like, you know, you got to baby your man, but it's that you're being empathetic to your husband. And so by that, you know, what, what, you know, something I like to do is that first of all, I like to make sure that my husband's fed (laughs) and I like to make sure that me and my husband have been having plenty of fun lately and that we haven't been bogged down by like serious, serious, heavy things. Like if there was a death in the family or if there was, you know, financial, um, financial burden on us at that point. Like if you have ample time to bring your husband this major decision or this major choice that you guys can talk about, like come to him as a friend, not coming to him as like, you know, you got, you're, you're preparing yourself already for him to say no, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be his friend and that's the way that he's going to be able to, you know, actively listen and, you know, uh, be somewhat agreeable <clears throat> to, to this decision, you right. know, that's why a lot of men have, you know, their best friends, you know, they always have their buddies. And then of course you're just, you know, I guess to women, they probably think, Oh, I'm just a nagging wife. And then he's got his best friends, you know, and you know, I'm sure there are many cases where they do have their best friends. They've known for a long time. And then, you know, all oh, he's got to go over there and talk to his buddy about his nagging wife, you know, but you know, I understand women are just going to be, you know, women, men are just going to be men. And regardless on how you try to change it, you have to learn to adapt and then figure out how you can get to somebody. It's like when you talk about being uh, empathetic to a man, in a sense, you're not really being, well, you're being empathetic because you have to use a form of, you know, you have to figure out. And I, I think more of it, I look at it as more like wisdom. Right. Because oh, you're yeah. saying mm-hmm. how, OK, the other ways I've been doing is not working. So how do I figure this out? How do I get him to listen or how do I go about it to at least I can get him to start thinking about it? And that goes the same way for a, a, a man. A man's going to do the same thing for a woman. So it's not like women just need to pander to man all the time. The thing is, is that you you have to learn each other. It's not empathetic or you know i know women you know that's fine to use those words there's nothing wrong with it i think for men we just see it more as it's kind of wise to you know to do it that way rather Um, than come at you you know swinging and hollering you know because that's where most people been conditioned nowadays is to that's how you express a firm of toughness is you know you you come at them wanting a fight yeah. And that's not how you get things done. A fight is not how you get anything done. I guess this is like turning into a marriage podcast, but <laughs> right? you know, it's like really a serious <laughs> thing. It's like, right. you know, I like how you said that a man views that as wise, you know, as right. wisdom. And so when we talk to a woman, 
we have to use certain vocabulary because that's how she understands it. And then talking to a man or coming from a man, they use different vocabulary. So even in this podcast, you're going to see like the differences, but it's like talk. It's like communicating between a right hemisphere brain and a left hemisphere brain. And it's like, that's why we needed this podcast so bad is because it's going to shine light on the way that the man, you know, the husband is going to see it and the way that the woman sees it and kind of a few things that you guys can do to, um, you know, enhance favorable birth outcomes, (laughs) you know, and it's hard to be able to navigate these things, especially if like, you know, if it's just been, if you're a high strung wife and let's say that, you know, and I'm not talking about like, a phase of the year where, you know, you're, you're feeling abnormally under pressure. I'm not talking like that. I'm talking about like your natural personality is to cut down your husband and belittle him and treat him like he's stupid. You're not going to get the birth outcome that you're desiring. Right. You're getting what you asked for. Yeah. If you're, if you're treating someone like a child, well, then, yeah, that's what right. they're going to be. going to be children. Yeah, so, like, if you're coming to him and you're like, this is what we need to do, God, you always do this to me or whatever, it's like, no, just, you know, I I love so much that you said don't take, uh, don't, don't give up because, you know, you have, like, nine months of conversation, and I don't even want this to sound like it's a manipulative thing because it's not. It's like you need to be tactful and wise about what you say. And, you know, I was just reading in the Bible this morning is that, you know, with your tongue, you need to like be able to encourage one another and you're not supposed to tear each other down. Right. That's not what your mouth is for. Your mouth is for validating each other and you know, lifting each other up. You're not supposed to just sit there and be like, here's a long list of all your problems. It's supposed to be, I recognize that my wife is going through something really hard and I need to encourage her. And as a leader of the home, you are supposed to be encouraging. You're not supposed to just tear somebody down. And when, and it's the same thing with the wife too. You're not supposed to sit there and be like, here's a long list of things as to like what your problems are. You're supposed to sit there and be encouraging. So I think it's wise to go ahead and start practicing if you're not like that. If, you know, the Bible talks about how our flesh is always wanting to do something that's, you know, going to be natural for the flesh to do to do mean things, you know. So it requires us to be in the spirit together and to move forward like home births is a biblical thing, man. Mm-hmm. Jesus was born in a major and uh there's plenty of other home births like the midwives attended the homes that's how it used to be and historically speaking the reason why home births even moved to the hospital was because Merck created the epidural mm-hmm. so that was for women yeah. who wanted pain relief they started institutionalizing birth and after that that's when cesareans uh, skyrocketed. And dads, you don't even know how much more work is on your shoulders 
if your wife has to go in for a C-section, right. you mm-hmm. know, you're okay. So my husband, you know, is able to stay with me for a couple of days after I deliver my babies, our babies. And at like day three, you know, I have to cook dinner. I have to do laundry. The house is a mess. It takes like um, almost like six months, six to eight months before life starts to feel normal and things can get somewhat cleaned up. (laughs) But like after our fifth child was born, our um, house was a disgusting pigsty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I want to say if... Especially for that, I want to say that women need to not be scared. If you have a lot of children, and depending on their ages, um, and some of them, you know, you can always start out kids early. They're they're very uh, malleable, but um, don't be afraid to get your kids involved. I mean, as a family, you have to you have to share the burden, and that goes for everybody. That goes for the children as well. They have to learn. I mean what they're doing is what you're going to be doing. Everybody's going to be doing it. So they have to kind of share the burden. There is no exception to them. You know, I mean, yeah, you love them. You love your babies. I love my children so much. And I don't want my children growing up to think that everybody's going to do everything for them and they can't do anything. They don't have to help around the house or they don't need to do this or they don't need to do that. They need to. They're children. They're growing. They need to move their muscles. They need to use their brain. You know, they they may not be happy about it. You know, you'll have your little arguments with them about doing their work and stuff like that. But you have to maintain that because it's important for the children's sake and it's important for the family as a structure to be able to work together. Yeah. And that's how you work together. You're a family yeah. unit. And um, since we have uh, five kids, I needed my two oldest to, you know, really pitch in and start helping. And then we had to, like, come up with creative ways to incentivize. You know, they love their game time, but they have to work for that game time. Right. And what were we... Um, Saying before that, though, oh, the house is going to be a mess. So, you know what my favorite thing is about my husband is that he doesn't come home and he's not like, why is this house, you know, (laughs) why is this house? Like, I was going to say a bad word, but I probably shouldn't. But you know what I mean? Why is this house a hole? You know? And uh, he's never once like been angry with me or upset with me because the house is a mess. Like my husband understands the need for my attention to be on the kids and that he also understands like the weight of, you know, motherhood and he respects that. And so like, I guess when earlier in the podcast you were talking about high expectations, it goes both ways too. And it's like, amazing how I mean I was just talking to my sister about this yesterday how her friend has a husband and they're Christians and the husband comes home from work and he's like why is this house so messy what have you been doing just sitting around on your butt all day you know if you're dealing with a man like that you know I don't know if you're if you're gonna be able to I mean I don't know you know I I have to say that, yeah, you definitely, I don't think there's any point in that. If you have children, you know, when I come home, if it's messy, I'm not thinking, 
you know, my wife's lazy or anything. I'm just thinking, you know, where are my kids at? Yeah, you're doing? happy to you be to home. Your, you need to clean up this living room. You need to clean up this kitchen. You got to do stuff around here. You're just trashing the place, but then you don't <laughs> want to clean it. Yeah. And um, But, you know, I, I've i definitely seen from my own experience, I've seen people, because, you know, I've, I've always grown up with people that were a lot older than me. Uh, I've been around people that are a lot older than me, so I've had my experience with older couples and everything. And I can tell you that, there are some people, there are some wives that are really lazy. Like I'm talking yes, like babe, really, totally. really, really lazy. Like they don't want to do nothing. And you can just see it in their body, in their in their body movements. They're the most laziest oh thing my. on the planet. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that was just because of some upbringing they had. But that's not doesn't go for all women. All women are not lazy. Just the same way we don't... I, you can't generalize certain people's behaviors for everyone else's. I really appreciate that because sometimes moms can be so hard on themselves like they are not doing enough. And then if they really are hardworking women and they really are putting in a lot of effort to taking care... I mean, you're raising a human being, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're bringing up a, a human, a human. Right. It's not like you're going to work and working on a job that doesn't require, you know, life and death, you know? So every day it's like, you're trying to keep that kid from killing themselves, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so like to hear from a man who is like already coming home and is like, what, you know, what have you been doing all day and questioning? Like if you've even been working, it's like, well, you know, um, that's you know that's not that's not right but i don't want to really like get in get away from the topic of that it's like uh you know understanding the different kinds of men out there the different kinds of dads and they're not all gonna be you know so supportive like you are they're gonna be like you know sometimes there's men out there who either are trying to tear their wives down you know or you know or not you know, because they genuinely care so much that they don't they don't want you to have a home birth because they feel like this is the right choice for the family and that they just don't want you to die. Right. But if it's like, you know, somebody who, you know, the kind of dad is like, you're lazy. I don't care. I'm not going to look into having a home birth. It's not worth my time. It's like clearly that man doesn't have any respect for you. Right. And the Bible doesn't talk about how a husband should be disrespectful or belittling to his to his wife but you know when my sister was talking about this friend um he i'll be right back (laughs) well just to um kind of our youngest child is is crying right now something happened um one of the other kids probably but um to sort of um clarify a little bit on how to communicate if you if you're trying to communicate with your husband i'm gonna tell you a little secret okay now it doesn't work for all of them right because not when i say all of them i would say it probably would work about for 80 percent if the other percentage may be your husband uh but he may be that hard-headed but most men tend to respond not really by <clears throat> not really by emotional and when I say that, it's like we do have emotions. We're not, 
emotionless people. We just handle emotion differently. So if you can tell the reason why we, and even for me, I don't really have best friend, you know, like a bud that I just hang out with and I just have an excuse to go out and see all the time. I don't because a lot of men nowadays are, uh, they're not men. They're lazy. They don't want to do anything. They have uh, no productivity in their life, uh, which is sad. But I think one of the best ways you can get to your man or at least try is we tend to respond mostly from someone who's just talking to us, not at us. Like there's a difference. Like, um, and Sarah, just so to kind of bring you to what I was saying was I was just trying to relay a little bit of information that, you know, I would say probably 80% of men are like this. The other percentage, if they're not, then they're probably that other percentage is more difficult to work with. But um, the best way to really come at men, and of course I was explaining about emotionally. We have emotions too. We're not emotionless. We just handle emotions differently. So, and I was saying that if you're trying to get to them, the best way is to talk to them, not at them. So like, imagine if it was your best buddy, right? And you do have to treat them like that. Imagine it was your best friend because that's why those men go out and hang out with their best friends all the time because they want to have some sort of productive conversation and not get all upset. Tony tells me all the time that I'm his best friend. Right. (laughs) And if you just come, if you just go to him and you just say, um, you know, I was looking at this and, you know, and I think, you know, a home birth, you know, of course, there's going to be more details to it. You know, gather your information, come to him and say, look, I was looking into this, you know, oh, hey, babe, check this out. Or, you know, like you're like you're his best bud. You have to talk to him, not at him. And I'm sure some of you can get what I mean by that. If not, you know, I'm sorry, I, I would dig a little bit deeper into that. But I know that we're time is running really high. We're almost going an hour. Oh, please. I'm sure people just want all the information because I don't think it really matters. Well, either way it goes, (laughs) it's like you, you have to be able to talk to him in a fashion that's going to keep him instead of him protecting himself. He's involved, right? So he's not, instead of you coming at him, attacking him, then he's going to get up into a guard mode. That's where he puts the shield up. That means nothing's going to get through if he's got his shield up. And then for husbands, too, they should recognize that sometimes if the woman is coming to you like that, that it's okay to release your guard, that you don't have to be so guarded about things. Right. And and that it's your wife and that you love her and think about the reasons why you even married her in the first place. You know, you didn't... It's not like, oh, well... My wife's a dummy, and so if I had known that, I probably wouldn't have <laughs> married her. <laughs> well, yeah, there was, yeah, I think we've heard some pretty crazy things. Pretty messed up things. Anyway, other, um, the thing of, I wanted to say one last thing about trust is that it's like, where are you going to place your trust? If you're right. a man of God and a woman of God, then you need to absolutely make sure that you're putting your trust in the right place. You know, with traditional midwifery, you are putting the trust into God 
and the midwife is there to support your journey. She's not there to take over your journey. And with the hospital and institutionalized birth or even certified professional midwives, they still work under the legislation that the OBs are putting in place. So you have to be careful not to invite a hospital into your home. And with traditional midwifery, those midwives are there and they are dedicated to presenting to you the evidence and then letting you guys, at least a good midwife is going to do this, is going to present to you the information and let you make the decision. I know that there's plenty of fathers out there who are just, you know, they trust the system and they want to vaccinate their kids and they want to circumcise their kids and they want to do hospital institutionalized birth. But we know that there's better birth outcomes at home. There's better health outcomes in the baby if they're, you know, staying away from man-made created things and, you know, don't want to get into a whole nother topic, but a lot of these things are created for the pursuit of an agenda. It's not like, oh, God gave us these miraculous vaccines and God gave us these, you know, miraculous things in a hospital or whatever. It's like these things were crafted to dumb you down and they were crafted to make sure that your children are not going to grow up to be the, you know, free thinkers that this world needs. Right. It's a, it's a man-made concept. So it's the same thing for schooling. These are all man-made concepts. Oh yeah. You know, the, the medical industry wouldn't be such in shambles if it wasn't a uh, money racket, racketeering uh, scheme going on. And there is. Yeah. If, doctors were true scientists and not drug dealers, uh, then yeah, we would have a true uh, medical system, but we don't. You know, I think we talked about this before about, you know, when you see back on um, Little House on the Prairie and all that stuff, the doctors, they didn't have hospitals. The doctors actually came to your house, you know, and they really tried to figure out what was wrong with you, you know, because they were scientists. They... That's what drove them every day was being a scientist. Instead, now it's like, well, I want to go to college and become a doctor. And then you do all those years of, you know, we can get all into specifics as far as people being in debt because of college and all that stuff. But there are so many, the system is is so set up where it doesn't benefit anybody at all. It's, it's not there to, it's just meant to keep its own gears moving it's meant to constantly keep making money off of you. The, and it doesn't matter what your situation is, they're going to make money. I off love you. that. My husband's like strongest point about why you should home birth is like it, when it comes down to the pricing, it's like, um, you know, talking about like how they're trying to make money off of you. So like if you're agreeing to a systemized birth or the institutionalized birth, you are just, you know, letting that system work and it's corrupted. We know that this is a corrupt system. Right. And, you know, it's it's okay for, you know, because in capitalism, people are meant to 
find a way to make more money. I get yeah, it. Yeah, every love business that. has we to try that. to make money. Yeah, and every small business, everybody's got to try to make money. There's nothing wrong with people, that. People, individual people, have goals <laughs> and aspirations to make a legacy for their families. But what I think you're trying to say is like when it becomes that you're putting your money into a system like that you are contributing to a monopoly and to a conglomerate it's not a human entity at all it is a a system with worker bees who are just doing what they're told to do instead of you know a person who like literally cares and has you know designated everything that and dedicated all this time and effort to creating a better birth experience for women and for babies and for dads too. I want dads to feel super included in this because it's like, what an honor, what an honorable thing it is when I go and brag about how my husband caught our babies and cut the cords and stuff. People are just like amazed. And I always see on the dad's faces just this like pride bubble up in a good way. They're like, yeah, I want that. Well, you know, I wouldn't even call it pride. I'd call it dignity, okay, because you left your dignity intact. Because it's like if I was to let somebody else deal with it, I wouldn't really feel. Wow, babe. <laughs> I really wouldn't even feel like I did something. Wow. Um, it's kind of like I, I think men will know this too. Have you ever been at a job site and – Everybody or certain people, I shouldn't say everybody, but maybe maybe everybody sometimes, but certain people were really working their butt off and you're just kind of like standing there doing nothing and you're like, what can I do? Is there something I can do? Because it's like you don't want to, you really just don't, you want to participate. And I think men, especially growing up when they're young, they're when they're boys they really want to work as a team they they have a lot of those wants when they're young they want love they want to work as a team they want all that and you know it'll go off into another talk about you know i don't want to get into that it's a whole other topic as well but they they lose sight of those things for certain reasons and like i said we can do a whole other podcast on that but they tend to lose that some of them do a good portion of them do but that doesn't mean it still is not you know it still doesn't exist in there it does they still have that want they just have fought it because they thought the world didn't want that so that's why they're kind of just trying to operate on them but they think everyone else what the world is expecting of them not how they truly feel and then they really want to add what you're saying it's like it's a a dig uh dignity and honorable right you know dignified and honorable thing to catch your own baby and be able to you know be the one who cuts the cord because that's like a rite of passage for dads do you think that i don't know if mary caught her own baby you know if mary caught jesus or if if joseph did i could just assume that joseph was there because you know if i know for me when i'm like in position to like get that get the baby out and i'm just like got my arms up on you know some um you know trying to stabilize myself while i'm pushing you know while my bait my body is just pushing and i'm i'm at the point of sheer exhaustion you know i needed my husband to catch the baby right 
and that can that part can be intimidating but dads you can do it like to give you like you know a bit of encouragement like dads there was really not anything to fear and god is with us and there's a reason why the holy spirit is talking to your wife um to have that home birth i don't think that it's just like Oh yeah. You know, maybe in certain aspects there is like a big group of women who are just like, let's jump on the home birth trend. But in my opinion, her instinct is saying it has to be at home. And as the leader of the home, it is a dignified response and an honorable response to say, you know what? I think you're, I think you're on to something. At least let's just talk about it. Right. At the very least, just open the, the dialogue for it. I have a um, comment that I wanted to share before we ended the podcast, but I have tons of friends who are reaching out to me on social media and they just, you know, love the podcast and the topics. And um, one um, I asked for permission to, sh- to share this, and it was from a woman named Cassandra Larson. And she said, Oh, I love this topic about husbands and home birth. My husband literally cons- convinced me to go unassisted, so I can't help. Uh, so I can't help other mommies who ask about this. But it's like um, her husband was on board and was the one who was like, yes, let's do an unassisted free birth. So my husband is not just a free birthing dad, a home birth daddy, but he is a free birthing daddy. And that's, you know, that's an amazing thing in itself. And I just need to say like to the dads who um, are on the fence about it, let me tell you like, it is such a awesome <laughs> and sexy thing when you're going to be uh, supportive of her, um, you know, uh, her instinct to want to home birth. If you're on her side, it's like, you know, that's my that's my teammate and right. he's for me. And so that I have that with my husband, it makes me feel like there's no nobody else like us in the world, mm-hmm. even though I know that's not true. But I just feel like, you know, this is like one of the most amazing things that I could have with my partner is that we have this together. Free birth, you know, assisted or unassisted, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that my husband trusted me to make good decisions for the sake of our family. And guess what? Time and time and time again, you know, we were able to do it together and have our home births and they were successful. Mm -hmm. And so because of all that success, it's just like, this is what we do. We put our trust into the, into God And we have that peace that surpasses understanding. You know, we ask for God. It's a journey. It's not like you're going to be okay with it overnight. And we don't expect that of you. Yeah, I think people, of course, and people have become more impatient because in society, we have so many conveniences now and everything is like on the, you can get everything at the, at the snap of a finger, you know, and everything is so quick now, you know, whether it be the internet, your phone, texting, 
talking somebody, uh, you know, push to talk, you know, everything is so instant that people have become more impatient. They can't even wait, you know, one minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. And I get that way. You know, there are things that, you know, <laughs> that, you know, if my internet is just a, you know, a few milliseconds off, you know, I notice it because things have gotten so, so rapidly quick nowadays. It's like, you have you do become impatient, you know, for a lot of things. Wow. So yeah. I think the real trick is too is that to realize that look, just be patient. Um, that's why, you know, <clears throat> you know, not to get into the subject too much on that, but with uh, Dave Ramsey, why he's out there having to help people who are in serious debt because people are impatient, and because people expect instant results that wow. that's why they go out spending credit, getting loans and doing all this stuff because they don't want to wait. And, you know, I get it. I, I'm, you know, I'm a human as well, just as everybody else. I'm not an alien. You know, I'm a human just like everyone else. So I get that we're all going to be impatient about things and we expect instant results, but that's unrealistic to expect instant results. It's not, Sometimes things take time. Actually, you know what? The greatest things in life take time. They're not going to be instant. I mean, that would be wonderful if the greatest things in life were instant, but they're not. So we kind of have to live with reality, you know? What a great point, babe. Um, yeah, it's like if your wife goes in, it should be noted, like if your wife is going in and she's getting all these tests done because that's what you're requiring and that's what you want to help ease your tensions and fears and anxieties. Well, you are projecting your fear onto your wife. And that is not going to lead to a safe birth outcome. And you have to give it, literally give that to God. And it's not like this was some overnight thing. Like I've said, it's like my husband had to go through this. He was literally, you know, I know that my husband was doing everything that he could not to project his fears onto me. And so that helped me feel secure and that helped me feel safe. And that's important for a woman who is about when you're pregnant, you're in the most vulnerable place <clears throat> you could ever be in. Right. And that requires the man, a woman too, but in that situation that you're talking about, it's going to require the man to have faith in God, because I'm telling you, when you even feel unsure, and you are scared, you have to continue to have faith in God. You have to say, no, God, I trust you. Just remain calm, and we'll get through it. we got to be confident with it. you got to be confident in God that he's handling it the way he's going to handle it. And regardless of what happens, you're going to accept whatever it is. So that is going to help you too, whether you're scared or not, to just say no, everything. You're going to be able to tell her everything's okay when you're not feeling okay. I kind so of it's going to happen. I like that you're sharing that. And it's like it, when I was, you know, in my zone and, you know, now we know when, you know, baby was coming. But when you could see that it was really, really hard for me, the hardest when I'm like moaning, you know, and. I'm like, this is so, you know, this is so hard. It's like my husband wasn't telling me things like, you know, are you sure you want to do this? Oh, no. He was like, you know, I could tell looking back at it now that he was going internally, you know, and it's like, what did that look like for you, babe? 
Um, you, you know, like I said, you have to, uh, you have to have a lot of faith in God. That's all I can say, because you have to, you have to understand that regardless, even if you're scared or worried, that doesn't always mean that it's wrong because you're scared and people don't understand that concept. Sometimes they, they think because they're scared, then there must be something wrong. Yeah. And it's like. Then there's a difference between something is wrong and that brings the fear, right? So there's a difference between you think it's wrong because you're scared, but you're rather than you're scared because something is wrong. You know what I mean? There's a difference between those two. But that's why I say that you have to have a lot of faith in God and you have to believe and you have to have you have that, that faith. That is true faith. Think about it. I mean, I don't want to get off into a whole Bible lesson and gospel and whether you truly believe in God, but that's true faith. I mean, I never got that concept with people when I would talk to other Christians, you know, growing up, you know, throughout life. I've always talked to Christians throughout life, but, um, you know, I'm a Christian technically too. But when you have these conversations with them, there's always the, the buts, you know, like, but, oh, you know, there's always some excuse why you don't take that, giant leap regardless because there's always going to be some excuse about it and i never truly understand that concept because if you truly believe in something then you need to be all in you can't just be you know you can't be halfway in something you believe in halfway not you know babe, doesn't work i that way. Uh, put in my notes that it was like you know we need to talk about trust or just at least touch on the trust thing for just a minute. I want to talk about these two things before we were done. It's about the cost and the trust. So first we're talking about the trust because it's like, what are you going to put your trust into also? You know, are you trusting the system more than you're trusting your wife's instinct? And sometimes we like to use intuition, but I think that it's the woman's instinct. And it's like God made her emotional for a reason because her instinct is going to be heightened and it was for the process of birth. And so the husband, you know, can be compassionate in that in that area and kind of like, you know, listen to um, or just, you know, be a little bit more open minded about um, where he's putting his trust and trusting that her instinct is going to be very heightened and very powerful. And God wouldn't have designed us like that if that's not what he, you know, if that's not a part of the program that, you know, that he created. The trust is so important um, and where you're putting your trust. There was something else that I wanted to add to this. It was like um, the trust process is a journey. It's a process. Everything that we're doing is a microcosm of something else. It's like waves in a water. And so it's not just going to spring up. Like this is what I tell my mommies that I work with. I'm like, it's not just going to happen. This is a journey. So pregnancy is a journey the delivery is a journey. It's e- each and and then 
it's all big and it all comes together and that's life. Right. So like <clears throat> the way that trust looks is like, you know, it's requiring you to visualize success, visualizing that it's going to have favorable outcomes. Like if you're trusting in, in God, it <clears throat> literally says in the Bible that you need to, and so many times it talks about um, trusting God and believing, having the faith. And, you know, that one scripture where it talks about if you believe that this mountain can be moved, well, then it will be moved. And so it's like, well, we need faith like that. And so how exactly do you do something like that? Well, it requires you to like visualize it to start believing that it's true. God says that he wants you to pray like it's already happened. And so you need to be excited. And that's where joy comes from is like the uh, happy anticipation that good things are going to happen. And so if you're struggling with trusting that process and you're struggling with fear, uh, woman or man, husband or wife, um, it needs to be noted that the trust is, is what God wants from you. And so when you're both, you know, I look at it like the man and the woman is both pregnant, not like, you know, oh, it's just her. It's like, this is a baby that you guys created together and you're both in a journey on a journey together. God is requiring the dad to also have faith in the Lord and he's using this as practice. And so the journey um, of pregnancy is the practice of putting your faith before your fear and giving that fear up to the Lord to, um, you know, relinquish the fear and that burden off of you. And so dads and moms have to practice this and, um, that is going to require you to actually visualize how successful that birth outcome is going to be and trusting like this is going to happen. And I'm not talking about let's manifest some stuff. I'm talking about like literally thinking about the, the fact that there is a possibility that something amazing is going to come from this home birth journey. And I get to be a part of that club and what honor it is that God would give me the ability to birth at home the way that it was designed to be, you know, and thank God that yes, if there was a true emergency, not an exaggerated one or dealing with other people's fears in the hospital, putting that on your wife or on your family, that you have the strength as a dad and the husband to keep it at home. Right. And the, the woman and the man have to become one body and has to, when you go through an experience like home birthing and you know, you're about to go into something, sometimes it's kind of like you have to take each other's hand and you're walking into the darkness. Okay but you're walking into that darkness together. You're not doing it separately. That's so sweet. You have to do it together. So you have to say, we be, we are one body and we are stronger together rather than separate. And if you do that, I mean, that goes for about anything. It doesn't have to be about birthing. It could be about anything. You have to learn to live as one body with each other together rather than separate from each other. And 
<clears throat> that's probably the most crucial thing that wow. you have to try to remember because that's always going to get you through. You have to understand you're not alone, right? So it's like if we were to explain our situation, whatever we went through, whatever the case may be, um, we have to learn to say this, this is what we went through. You know, it's not what I went through. Yeah, I, I have my own problems going on in my head, talking about I'm worried about this, I'm scared about this. But, you know, she's going to be just as worried too, and she's going to be scared too. So you have to think yeah. you're both experiencing these things on the same level. You have the same issues. You're just doing, they're just dealing with them internally. And you're praying to God and you're having faith in God and you're trying to, Maintain that faith by saying, no, I'm going to I'm gonna trust in you. Don't let yourself fool yourself to be scared and to give in. Say, God, I trust you. I believe in you. Me and my wife are one body, and we're going to get to this together. You know, I got your I hand. We're in it together. And, you know, every woman wants romance in her marriage, but there is nothing more romantic than when your husband talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's real romance. <laughs> The last thing that I wanted to touch on was the cost because a lot of dads are fearful of how much this costs and I have no other better supporter of you know my services than my husband and so this podcast is to reach you know I'm hoping for like lots of people even outside my state who are interested in traditional midwifery services so this isn't a plug for me but it's like listen to from a husband about the costs, you know, because I know a lot of dads are like concerned about how expensive it may seem. And, you know, that from the hospital, because there's insurance that it's all virtually free. And I've I've heard this from a lot of dads and we're not trying to convince you, you know, of anything. It's just like just hear it from another dad. Right. And. Yeah, which reminds me, um, <clears throat> I think um, we're supposed to create some sort of form or some way for people to ask questions. And, um, you know, any questions that you have, just ask them or get a hold of us somehow. Or, like I say, I'm hoping to create some type of forum or something mm. so people can ask questions and then we'll pick some questions out. Yeah, I just posted on Facebook answer. that we were recording. Right. And so I got some feedback from that. So that was cool. But yeah, we're thinking about getting a telegram. But what do you want to say about the cost? Like. <laughs> what? It's way cheaper to go to the hospital? <laughs> yeah. I mean, good yeah, luck. Yeah, please. Because. You know, if, if you don't want to go broke, if you want to be in. You know, it just is so crazy because when you think about the system, again, it's about the system. The system is the main enemy here. Okay. Because they're not only attacking you medically, they're attacking you through your, your education, they're attacking you with your finances, and they attack you constantly 24-7. And so if you think about the financial part of it, and then some people are going to say, well, I got Medicaid or I, you know, I got insurance to deal with that. Well, you know, that's, again, if you're, if you're to not abide by the system, that is part of it. Insurance is part of the system. Okay. This is not a insurance actually operates with each other in cohesion with one another. So insurance is all part of the system. If you're trying to operate outside of that, yes, you're going to pay money. Okay. 
but the whole point is to be outside the system. But if you think about the true cost, like let's say you didn't have any insurance or your insurance was not covering whatever, it's very expensive. And it's for, and again, we go on to the businesses. Yeah, you know, you own a business, you got to make money somehow. But you're talking about people's livelihoods here. And the fact that they know that majority of people can't afford, that's why they have insurance. But they know that the fact people can't afford any of that, so the insurance companies will try to cover it. But, you know, <clears throat> it's very expensive. I mean, even just an, an ambulance ride is a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, you have to... I know that an ambulance ride is like $500, right? Well, no, I think, At least. Uh, I heard... Uh, I was reading this one. This one lady had had a. Uh, I think she had what, like a motorcycle accident or something, and um, she was in the ambulance and she woke up in the ambulance. And you know what she was worried about? She was worried about being in the ambulance because she was like, no, she knew she was gonna get charged for that. Like she's not a. Obviously, she's not a person to just spend money, and money's not a problem, right? She, like, didn't have insurance and everything, and she couldn't pay for all that stuff, and and she was more concerned. And if you saw her pictures, she took pictures of stuff when she was messed up, when she got into the motorcycle wow. accident. But she went home. She was like, she looked, she's like, no, I'm not going into the hospital because I, she knew how much it was going to charge her when, she, when everything was said and done. And she went home and healed naturally herself, and she took a new picture of herself. She looks nothing wrong with her. No scars, nothing. She looks back to normal. Wow. It's like it shows you there. It, of course, it had to be it had to take money to get someone to do that. But it's like even to show you there, you don't need the hospital as much as you think you do. Oh, that's a great point. You know, um, I think that it should be noted that just because you're in sh- you you feel like you have security with your insurance, that that doesn't mean that insurance is going to cover it all. There's a point to where your insurance is going to stop covering and there's stipulations to what the insurance is going to cover and not cover. And there's also co-pays that you have to be concerned about. There's the time and the energy that it takes for you to communicate to that insurance company time off of work for the recovery of your wife. If you are subjecting your family to the medicalized tyranny and medicalized care for your uh, baby, um, what ends up happening is that you are subjecting them to more interventions than what is necessary. And so because of that, the costs go sky high and you end up having to pay for more um, out of pocket than what you really think. I have a Instagram that you can follow me at a peachy birth keeper. And, um, there are, uh, lots of comments on there about the costs, the real costs of people's, um, C-sections. And in fact, I'm going to do a poll and we can really get to the bottom of this because I, frankly, I think that the numbers are really messed up. They say on average, the cost of a C-section is $28,000, okay? But guess what? That is the average cost of what the hospital is charging. That is not the average cost of what the people are paying. And the average cost of that is actually $75,000. 
Um, and a lot of that is out of pocket, if not all of that uh, on average is out of pocket. Because when you schedule for a C-section, you are signing yourself up or you're sign- your wife is signing herself up for a massive emergency that's about to brew. Right. And so <clears throat> you think you're going in because this is what the doctor is saying. There's meconium stained waters or right. the placenta is, you know, um, there's previa there or there's whatever, but it's like the ultrasounds are already inaccurate. Number one, number two, you don't know. I, I see this all the time. So you can take it from me that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of inaccuracies that happen in, in the laboratory. I talked about this in the previous podcast. If husbands want to go listen to that about all of the strange stuff that happens with the medical professionals and how actually unprofessional they really are, um, you can go and listen to that. But they mess up with the tests and the results all the time. And they force you into things all the time. And so when you think that, oh, okay, insurance is just going to cover this, I mean, you're putting yourselves in more risk and harm's way than what, you know, what is really going to happen. So one of the comments that I had on my Instagram was that her C-section ended up in a $400,000 bill. And so she had to pay that. So the um we'll talk about this in another podcast about the um uh i had marked uh some notes here about what I, what else i was yeah, going to talk about and just to clarify a little bit more on the insurance real quick the insurance i've um not only seen but i've seen people in my industry that deal with insurance and insurance is the same all around it's the same concept whether it's medical construction Whatever the case may be, it's the same all the way around. What they're going to do, because you pay insurance every month, does not guarantee. That's never a guarantee, okay? Paying insurance is a month. The reason what they do is they say, the way the insurance companies go is that they're hoping, you know, you're paying every month, but they're hoping that you're okay. Because when something happens, you make a claim, that's when they actually have to put the money forward. So if you think about it, your money's going somewhere. So your money that you're paying is actually going to someone else's claim. And I've seen people that have, uh, not necessarily in the medical, but even in construction, where, you know, they'll have an insurance claim because they pay home home insurance, right? And they've been paying their home insurance forever. I'm talking forever. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name insurance companies and all that. But I'm going to tell you, they all work the same way. Some of them will be a little bit better than others, but you have to think. You're putting your money into there. That money's going somewhere. And let's say, and and of course, these these people had it for decades that they're paying them. They've been uh, customers of theirs. And when they actually had a problem, when they actually had a uh, you know a tree fall in the house, water got in, and everything uh, damaged the whole you know up, middle, and bottom floor. Uh, they had to get all this work done, and the insurance company. You'd be very, you shouldn't be surprised, but you'll be very surprised if you don't know already. But they will try to pay the very minimal as possible. I mean, they're really gonna nickel. When you talk about nickel and diamond, no, they're they're throwing pennies out when it compared to the damage that it costs to fix. 
then you're like in this limbo of like, well, who do I get out there uh, that's going to do it at that price? Well, you're not going to find anyone. That's the point is that they're only willing to cover so much. They're not going to just paying insurance is not a hundred percent guaranteed. It's just going to take care of you. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not, they're not just going to take care of you for the rest of your life. And you got like this prince in shining armor is going to show up when you're in trouble <laughs> and protect you in, from everything that happened. That's the, that's the grand scheme of things. And insurance is part of that is that they prey on your fear that something could happen one day and they're hoping nothing does because then they could just keep all that money. You're not getting it back. Yeah. It's not like you pay for 10 years and say, hey, nothing has happened. And you know what? I think I'm going to. It's not an investment because investments have returns. OK. Yeah. That's it's not like, a don't return. be stubborn about this because right. the insurance companies aren't there to help you. <clears throat> right. You they're know? there to and put money in their pocket and yeah. hope nothing happens to you so uh-huh. they can keep all that money. And. Um, um, I was uh, bringing that up because the next uh, podcast was going to be about the maternal deaths and um, hand in hand with the pharmaceutical companies. And it's like when you when you go and figure in the costs of, you know, your wife going to the hospital, n- not only is it the financial stress on your family could be a lot higher it's also the fact that your wife is going to have to recover longer. And that means that dads have to take time off. And so if you're figuring that you're going to have to take like a month off of work, that's going to be like, you know, $5,000, $8,000 that you're out of pocket because already right there because she has to heal and that requires you know a a sitter to show up and then if you got your family coming over well they're out for travel expenses they're out for the amount of time that they have to take off of work it's much 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 bigger than you know just saying like oh midwifery services is too expensive so please think about this and you know And even if it's not the midwife, even if all that is said and done and the midwife can't make time for you to babysit your wife to help her out while you go back to work, you can you can always pay somebody else to go do it. You're still you're still not spending as much doing all that. You're still not spending as much as you would if you went to the hospital. Yeah, still like it's like Mm -hmm. night and day. Yeah. uh, Compared to what they charge. Yeah. I think like initially dads have that sticker shock. And so like my services are you know, $5,000 and that's for prenatal care for, you know, um, from 12 weeks until 40 weeks. And then that's also for all the education. That's also all for, you know, um, the delivery itself, which, you know, I'm filling that birth pool, you know, 170 gallons worth of water and I'm emptying that birth pool. So dads don't have to worry about that. And I come with all of my tinctures and my oils and my education and my, uh, you know, um, I'm also there for postpartum, for the breastfeeding, for the nutrition, for, you know, there's just so much that goes into midwifery. Um, then we're paying taxes on top of that, which they're taking out, you know, 20%. And depending on where where you are in America, it can be close to 50%. And so midwifery services, um, depending on where, where you're at, can range anywhere between, you know, 3000 and 11000 And I've even seen as high as $15,000 in... Uh, Uh, what was that the silicone valley in california Mm. but it's like 
you know, just because you're having that initial shock, it doesn't mean that it's not quality care and it doesn't mean that it's not quality services and it doesn't mean i mean if you break that into payments it's like maybe 500 dollars a month or less and um if you have if you you know you get your check and you're like you know oh let's go out to eat or let's go do this it's like there's a lot of disposable income that families do have um, unless, you know, it's a really, really, you know, impoverished situation, please go talk to your midwife about payment plans and, you know, trade or barter with them, but don't give up because you see that, you know, um, the, the sticker shock is, you know, got to you and have faith. Please pray about, you know, God being your provider and God helping you trying to, you know, come up with the money and like reach out to your churches and reach out to, you know, um, reach out to, you know, family members to help you cover the cost too. And, but, um, I really, really, really appreciate everybody who took the time to listen to this. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear some feedback or comments from the audience. So if you would like, please uh, join the group. It is a Christ-centered natural home birth group on Facebook. And that's space for moms who can come together with like-minded, you know, um, other moms and learn how to have a Christ-centered birth and then also want to uh, get you like free resources. I have an amazing herb guide and I have an amazing oil guide and they are amazing and evidence-based and so I didn't just go with oils that didn't have any, you know, evidence uh, or, you know, information that was like really backed. Um, I do have virtual services. I have, you know, I haven't completely listed all of the services on my website, but you can just contact me through www.apgbirth.com, but have a great day.